Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents Uh-oh. Sports Talk Saturday. Don't tell me. We're about to go over a huge waterfall. Yep. Sharp rocks at the bottom? Most likely. Bring it on. On WGR. <laughs> Sports Radio 550. Good morning, everyone. Zach Jones hanging out with you for the next two hours as we get ready for a Bills practice here at St. John Fisher. We're broadcasting live from St. John Fisher University. Actually, the first time I've been back to the school since it's been university. I've gone to camp a few times, but this is the first time since the name changed back in 2022. Very excited today. Practice starting a little bit later, though, than normal. Typically, practices for the Bills here at St. John Fisher have been starting around 9.45 a.m. Today, it's going to be at about 11.45, and we will hear from Bills head coach Sean McDermott at the 11 o'clock hour, 11 o'clock, 11.15, around there. But we are officially under a week away until the Bills do get their preseason schedule started. They will be playing the Indianapolis Colts on Saturday at 1 p.m. This is going to be their only, though, home playoff or excuse me home preseason game this season they will have two road games to finish out the preseason but I will say I I'm very excited I was talking with Josh yesterday and it's just a lot of it is we've gotten to a point now is the offseason's gone on long enough to where we've said all the the things that could happen the things we want to see happen the bad ideas the good ideas everything everything's been said and now it's just can we get to games and yes it's only the preseason but there's enough storylines i think for the bills this year specifically that it actually i think warrants watching the preseason and really paying attention to it i know dalton kincaid really is the storyline of camp and has been the storyline really of the offseason at least since the draft for the bills of you know how much is he actually going to be involved in the offense? How much are they going to use him? And I got to a point yesterday, and I kind of want to start the show off here today, is talking about how many actual throws Allen is going to have next year. He was not a 600-throw guy last year. And this is also going off a season where Mahomes is around 650. Tom Brady broke the record last year with 733 throws. I'm not asking Allen to be by then. I don't think the Bills offense want him to be towards that. But going through the Bills' target shares and, and all the receiver wep- receiving weapons they have, because I do believe this is the deepest group of receivers the Bills have had since drafting Josh Allen back in 2018, I think there's a real spot you can find the Bills at where Kincaid really is second on this team in targets as a rookie tight end. 
I think he absolutely could be over 100 targets. And a part of me is now starting to get to this this idea, this point. I think he will. I don't want to put money on it yet. You know, I don't I don't want to stake my, you know, my life savings on it. But when I look at the receiving talent the Bills do have, Knox has never been a guy that's going to get over 65 targets. He's much more around the 55 to 60 range. And intermediate there, are, you know, and, and there will be different years, of course. Same with Diggs. But Diggs has been a guy that gets almost 150 now throughout his Bills career, where with Dawson Knox as the original, you know, tight end one, last year he had 65, the year prior he had 71. I think that's more his range, 65 to 70. That's going to be his range. But Kincaid coming in as a as as the receiving guy that the Bills wanted to go get. I want to see how much the Bills do use him in the preseason. I think he's going to be one of the few guys in terms of starters on the offense that really play quite a bit of snaps. We do know other teams in the AFC, uh, namely the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson and the starters are going to be playing, I think, quite a bit for week one in their preseason schedule. We'll see how much the Bills play. I'm comfortable after a series and then it, I'm, I'm good I'm done we can start taking people out namely you know guys like Josh Allen Stephon Diggs Mitch Morris as well as one of them that I'd be happy to take out and you, you kind of go from there but when I do look at the Bills receiving weapons you do have guys like Deontay Hardy Trent Sherfield who have been added on Khalil Shakir is still somebody of course I've mentioned Dawson Knox but to me the two clear-cut ones I think that will get over 100 targets are Stephon Diggs and actually Gabe Davis Gabe Davis finished with 93 last year, and he was dealing with an injury that he's spoken about at camp this year, and he's spoken about this offseason, that it really did affect him. And I don't doubt that at all. I think I believe it was a high ankle sprain. That, I mean, that can cause a lot of problems for basically anyone on a football field, us, of course a receiver. He also didn't run the deepest of route trees. It's very much 15-plus yards, and those are the routes that Davis is running. We've been seeing some videos, some, some you know talking points from camp of, Davis running more intermediate and shorter routes and being maybe a more complete all-around receiver. I think he's going to be somebody that gets around 110, maybe even 120 targets. But that's where, for me, though, that's where Kincaid can jump in and be that second, you know, leading guy in targets. I'm not saying maybe second leading in receptions, but I would put money on if he's at least getting the target share to be second. He maybe is the second receiver as well in catches. Yards, probably not. If he's going to take over that Cole Beasley role, he goes over 110 targets, but it's going to be for around 900-something yards. The player I noticed, though, maybe the most in terms of what he could do in his rookie year and, and maybe where I'd want Kincaid to be in his rookie year is probably Aaron Hernandez. Now, take everything off the field away because that's a bad part of it. In his rookie year... 45 receptions off 64 targets, 563 yards. It's the second year, though, that I find fascinating that I think Kincaid could replicate in his rookie year, and that's 113 targets, 79 catches, and 7 touchdowns. I do not think that is out of the realm of possibility at all for Dalton Kincaid, and everything I've been you know, hearing about and reading about with him is that he can be that guy, and I think the Bills do want him to be that guy because ultimately – Last year, more than anything, the offensive line had its struggles through injuries and just kind of keeping the same core pieces together. Receivers as well with with Davis getting hurt a little bit. But really, they missed that short yardage receiver, that Cole Beasley. 
and they tried bringing him back, but ultimately he had lost his step. We'll see if he can even make the Giants roster. But that piece of their offense, let's not just look at 12 personnel. Let's, that piece of their offense that made them so successful, it made them both efficient, it made them dangerous, and they kind of lost that last year, especially in the second half of the year where it felt like every route was just as deep as humanly possible. We're going to use Allen's arm. And, and a lot of that also, I think, came from Allen's injury to his elbow. He couldn't do the shorter passes. But with Kincaid here, they can bring that back. I think as well, someone like Khalil Shakir, I, I'm excited to see him today. I heard it's been a mixed bag throughout camp for him, dealing with drops. He needed a big day. We talked to Sal Capaccio about this on Friday as well, leading into the return of the blue and red. He needed a big day. I heard his touchdown that he had in the red zone was fantastic. So it's good to hear from him. But he's somebody as well. He only had 20 targets last year. I thought he did incredibly well when he was you know, being used, I think especially in the playoffs, seven targets, five catches, and he dropped one. That would have been like a 50-yard gain. It would have been a huge gain for the Bills' offense against the Dolphins. So they started to use him more in the playoffs. But when I look at the target share, I can see three guys having over 100 targets, that being Diggs, Davis, and Kincaid. And then I can comfortably fit in everyone else to be used in this offense. And I think that's the way the Bills want to go with their skill position players. I think they want to get to a point where everyone is being used in this offense. It's They've wanted to do it with these receiving backs that they keep trying to bring in or that they have brought in. You go to J.D. McKissick really being the first iteration of this. That ultimately fails. He stays with Washington. But then you see the James Cook signing. You see the Naheem Hines signing, or trade, and ultimately signing. You've seen how they've wanted to do this. They've wanted that specific player. And we've heard that Cook is being used more and more in the receiving game. They've started actually running screens, which really since Allen's got here has not been a game that they have at all. I mean, that would be incredible if they could actually get a screen game going. They can actually just take the yards as they get there. They don't have to be, you know, physicists all the time, and that's kind of how this offense has always been. It's take the hardest stuff immediately. They can just do casual algebra, subtraction, addition, and be fine, along with the quantum mechanics that they do as well in their offense. But I can see the template being laid for the Bills' offense and how they want to do it. I would be stunned if Allen doesn't at least have around 620 passes this year. I really, really would. I don't actually think this Bills team wants to run the ball more. I think they do want to run it more effectively when they do run. But I don't see them wanting to run the ball more. I do see Allen having around, I would say, 620 passes. And then you can see it. You know, 140 go to Diggs, maybe 110 maybe each for Davis and Kincaid. Then you get around the 60 to Dawson Knox. And that's your main core four. But then you do have Shakir, Sherfield, Hardy, Cook. And I can see all of them getting maybe in, in, in the realm of 25 targets to 55, maybe even 60 for some of them. Cook especially as well, I think, would maybe be the fifth main guy there as well, being the main back. We've heard Ken Dorsey, Sean McDermott, they bring up this idea of a three-down back when they talk about James Cook. I don't expect Damian Harris to be a very big factor in the passing game. If he is, that's fine. He can do it. I just don't imagine that's how they want to use him. Latavius Murray, don't imagine that at all. 
and then with Shakir as well, do I expect him to go more than 20 targets? I, maybe a little bit, but I wouldn't say much more, maybe 30. Sherfield, I'd like to see. I, I'm a big fan of Sherfield. But ultimately, even last year, in a breakout year with the Miami Dolphins, in a year that we've, we've heard a number of the, of the Miami Dolphins players be upset that he's gone, he only had 51 targets as the, as the clear-cut third weapon on that offense. Maybe minus Mike Gusecki, but in terms of wide receiver, the clear third guy behind Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. He has 51 targets and 30, and 30 receptions. I, I, like That makes sense to me, that he can have around that same statistical line, around 400 yards, three touchdowns, and be a perfect back, you know, depth weapon for the Bills. That's what they were really missing last year. They were missing having that Cole Beasley. They were missing any sort of depth. And it got to the point at the end of the year, it was just Stephon Diggs. He was the only reliable weapon, either it be to health or just ability. They did not have that other guy that could do it, that other guy that could scare defenses. I'm not asking for a clear-cut number two receiver, the T. Higgins to Jamar Chase. I don't think the Bills have that. But if they've got five or six guys that can do the job with the elite quarterback they already have, they're going to be just fine. They already were fine for pretty much the most part. That will take them to, I don't want to say the next level, but get them back to where they were in 2020 and late 2021 where they just seemed like a well-oiled machine and they could do basically no wrong towards the end. They really, really couldn't. You go back to that 2021 end of the season into the play, really the playoff run. They could do no wrong. Everybody was firing on all cylinders. 2020, though, going into the playoffs, a lot of people were hurt. A lot of people were injured. Along with that, some of these guys that they were bringing in, such as John Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, age hit them. It hit them like a wall. Now they've got younger guys, guys who are fresh, guys who have not gotten 100% that chance in the NFL yet, but they've clearly shown that they've got the ability. Trent Sherfield's 27. Deontay Hardy's 25. You're in that perfect window where Diggs is your oldest receiver and he's 29. You can really, really make that work. And when you have somebody like Josh Allen, who ultimately, even last year as well, his red zone turnovers were an anomaly last year. Outside of that, it was him and Lamar Jackson for the longest time did not have a red zone interception. Allen maybe was playing a little bit of hero ball, dealing with a pretty bad elbow injury. He's probably always going to be around the double-digit interceptions guy. I don't imagine him to ever be the Aaron Rodgers of he throws 45 touchdowns but six interceptions. I mean, Rodgers in his peak, in his prime, was one of one. But there is a world to me, and I think it's, it's, it's quite obvious that the Bills can be doing this and be a really efficient offense. They can go back to being that surgical team that could just march down the field in 10 plays, take a ton of time off the clock, and boom, they score a touchdown. A lot of times on opening drives as well, they were doing that quite a bit in 2022 and in 21. I think we are getting back to that kind of version of the Bills. They've gotten younger wide receiver. They've gotten clear-cut weapons across the board on the offense. And, and Kincaid really is, is, is a big part of that for me. He enters in and he becomes that sort of 
the big slot weapon. He also could add in more yak, which is something this Bills organization has talked about for ever, really. And that's been a big problem that they haven't really been able to get behind is, is Yak. I think you add in someone Kincaid, how big he is, how surprisingly fast he is for his size, he can be a Yak guy. I'd like to see Diggs be that more. Davis, I don't really know if he can be that guy. But then you look at somebody like Deontay Hardy, who, speed demon. They finally are adding speed on this offense outside of Stephon Diggs. You also have James Cook, and you can really become – a far more dynamic offense that I think at times this Bills team lost a little bit last year, in part due to injuries, I think in part as well due to just having a rookie OC. We are now joined by Sal Capaccio. Just, How are you, man? Just getting here. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. Did you have a good ride up? I did. I, it was a very relaxing ride. It's your first time here, right? Well, it's my first time here now that it's the university. I've come here a few times when it was the college, but it's been uh, a little bit. Is it your first time do, it's your first time doing this here, right? Like at the, yeah. the broadcast, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. You got a nice little setup here. I do, I do. You got, uh, you'll, you'll never know who you meet around here. you got any national people. They bring them by here for radio interviews. You'll, you'll get your One Bills live set over there, Odyssey Rochester here. It's a nice little setup. It's nice. The only thing is you can't see what's going on in the field, but that's what you got me for. You know, no, exactly. so I'll be I, I, did, I sat down and I'm like, oh, I'm staring at the wrong field. That's not ideal. And I, was, I was like, all right, well, all right, we'll make this work. We'll make this work. So if you ever come to Rochester, we've gone over this, but in case people don't know, there's two fields, a turf field and a grass field. For many years, the Bills would use both. Since Sean McDermott's mm-hmm. been here, they only use the grass field. They do not use the turf field other than for specialists, kickers, yeah, punters, sense. and um, they do some little warm-up stuff over there or guys that are rehabbing. There's also an auxiliary field down there. It's actually painted that auxiliary field. It's funny. I was talking with Eric Wood. So years ago, I mean, that's, I mean, I guess you could make it 100-yard. I don't know if it's a 100-yard field. Years ago, the offensive lineman would go down there, and then they'd have to run back to do their oh, thing. Man. Now it's the defensive lineman. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, Eric, but it's the whole defense. He's like, oh, really? He goes, sure enough, they keep the offensive lineman out in the regular field. <laughs> they don't have to run over there. So anyway, so yeah, ready for a day today. Sean McDermott's supposed to speak at 11.15 a.m. and then practice at 11.45 a.m. Beautiful. Do we know why today is – I mean, every practice here at St. John Fisher, I believe, has been starting at 9.45. Yes, we do know why. Is, is there any different? Oh, yes, perfect. because most of the guys are back in Buffalo. Just give them extra time to get back. That's Very all. Nice. Like, hey – you know what? Don't rush to get back. Super. You know, if you want to come back Saturday, that's great. Remember, he had the the practice Friday mm-hmm. in Orchard Park. So then they stay there over the weekend. They just wanted to make sure guys had enough time. And coaches, everybody's staff had enough yeah. time to get back here, get acclimated before practice today. That makes sense. Now on Friday's practice, the return of the blue and red. How was it? I mean, I heard it was a great crowd. Both my parents went without me. I'm not upset. I'm not jealous. It's fine. <laughs> But how was it? I, I saw a lot of fans oh, there. I, we had a few of our coworkers. Lucas Buckley, he was there as well. How was it? I mean, it, it looks amazing every single year how many fans do show up. And you see other teams will do stuff in stadiums, and it's just like it's, it's different it's about, Buffalo. About 35,000 people showed up. I mean, if they really wanted to, you could have 70,000. You could have you could open up the yeah. upper deck, and they would. They would have twice as many. Um, it's fantastic. I, I love it for the family atmosphere. You know, mm-hmm. that really is the one night that – um, it's not just the one night, I guess. It's really one of the best nights for this is what we're all about as a team, as a family, as a community. You come, you watch your team play, and the guys, they just, Zach, I can't tell you how many guys stayed over an hour circling mm-hmm. the stadium, signing autographs, taking pictures with people. It was amazing. I mean, I was one of the last people off the field just kind of taking in the, the scene and talking to people, and Deion Dawkins was still out there talking with somebody, and I mean, there were 
kids and families and people over an hour still in the corner going, Dion, Dion. Mm-hmm. And he just walked over there and he took pictures. It was great. That's what that's what that night is for. It was fabulous weather. And it's just, it really is. It's called the Return of the Blue and Red. And it, it's a great name because it really is a welcome back for the fans to see their team for the first time since, unfortunately, how the season ended mm-hmm. in that same stadium back in January. It's beautiful. It was a great night, too. It was warm as well. Oh, I love it. Do, do we have any big takeaways from the players on the field, or is it kind of just it was a good practice, got you know, out of there? No injuries I haven't heard either as well. Well, I did see Ed Oliver go to the medical tent during okay. the practice, but he came back out. He never left the field, never went to okay. the tunnel. Now it's a practice, so mm-hmm. I doubt they're going to put him on the field and have any sort of like, hey, you know, take any risks. So yeah, no, we'll, no need to push it. We'll see if Ed's out here today. But, you know, that will be something I'll be monitoring. Matt Milano and Taron Johnson did not practice either of them, but they were in street clothes. Mm-hmm. I was told general soreness, basically nothing to worry about. Again, you're going to back off on guys like that. Absolutely. So those those types of injuries you were missing still. Two wide receivers, Brian Thompson, who suffered a concussion last week. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Coulter has a knee injury. We'll see where they are at this point. Um, Von Miller was there just doing his normal thing on the side for a little while. Then he went. I don't even know if he stayed on the sidelines. Uh, he was there in street clothes. Same thing with Tyler Medikevich and Jordan Phillips. All continue to be on pup. As far as takeaways from the actual scrimmage, um, not a great start for Khalil Shakir. He dropped the punt. You don't want, don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. Then later on, he made a couple of really nice plays. He caught a couple of touchdowns, so that was nice. So still, I think he's had an uneven camp. Okay. Khalil Shakir, I think he needs to me. I'd like to see a little bit more from him. The guy, one of the guys I've said is also I'd like to see a little bit more from. I did on Friday night, Damian Harris, beautiful running back. I like to see what I, I liked what I saw from Damian Harris. I think it's actually been Latavius Murray popping behind James Cook a little more out here, but I think Damian Harris popped a little bit more in the scrimmage in the practice. Call it a scrimmage, it really wasn't. It was a practice. Mm-hmm. They do scrimmage a bit. It's not a normal, typical scrimmage where you keep score and things like that. Um, yeah, I think that uh, otherwise it was a pretty um, pretty normal type of practice. Uh, it was great. Oh man, Josh had a Great, great, like laser on an out pattern to Stefan Diggs covered by Taylor Rapp. And how you can't stop it, man. You just can't stop it in that situation. It was great to see. It he is he has been very fascinating, Alan. I and I, I feel like maybe we don't get lost in it because I mean we're starting to see it in, in hockey as well with Tage Thompson, but his emergence as as yeah. the passer that he is. I, I found myself yesterday, Sal, watching old Alan highlights from his rookie year and his second year, his throwing motion. It's it's night and day how different it is. He went from a stride passer to he's got that Aaron Rodgers kind of look to him, the the, the hop step and everything. It's just it's incredible to see his development as well. We t- we I, talked about that on Friday with them getting traits guys, guys that are coachable, guys that wanted to be great, just haven't gotten there yet. The raw Kyrie Elam has become that guy as well, and we're seeing his development into what hopefully will be a second lockdown corner opposite Trey White. We'll see with the secondary or uh, the CB two kind of position battle. But it, it really is – it's fascinating to see his progression to where he is now. Well, I think a lot of that is, you know, and you're right, where he is now. I mean, it's obviously the last few years he's kind of been in – as this elite quarterback, he's been an MVP candidate. But I think to your point of where he was, where he is and being coachable, that's a lot of the stuff he's done off the field with Jordan Palmer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just getting coached by Brian Dable and Ken Dorsey and Joe Brady and the quarterback's coaches he's had and the offensive coordinators he's had. And Sean McDermott in the organization. All of them deserve a lot of credit. Josh deserves a lot of credit. Of course, it's him. He's also making sure he does the things on in the offseason. Now, remember, he went on a podcast recently, and he said, oh, my strength and conditioning coaches aren't going to like the fact mm-hmm. that I uh, I don't, haven't done much this offseason, um, but I'm in the best shape. That's not what I mean. Like He still works like with Jordan Palmer. He didn't do him a lot this season, but 
to get to the last few, few off-seasons, the things he's done to kind of look at where he needs to improve, those little kind of nuances of the mm-hmm. hop step or the different arm angles, those are things he's worked on off the field a little bit as well, and there's no doubt about it. I think Josh deserves a lot of credit for understanding and having the self-awareness of the things to work on, and now you see, you know, and look, I mean, let's be honest, he's said this as well. As he gets older, Zach, he's going to have to play from the pocket a little more. You're, you're, yeah. you're, a, you're a baseball guy. It's like the pitcher who loses the velocity and has to work the corners more. All of a sudden, you got to be a control pitcher. You got 100%. You right. can't just blow people mm-hmm. away, right? I mean, that's what Josh has to do. Now, he's still, what, 27 years old, mm-hmm. whatever he is, 28. I mean, Josh, he's, he's got a long way to go, hopefully. He's still going to be an athlete who basically you know, runs around a lot and tries to get uh, yards with his legs, and we know that he's going to score. But as the organization has said and Josh has said, there's going to come a point where that's got to start ebbing back a little bit and allowing him to be more useful later in his career and not putting himself in harm's way so he can have a long career. Absolutely. And, and that, I mean, that's kind of the it's, – it's, it's the pain you're going to have with Allen. He is truly one of one. He's an alien out there. We see the hurdles, it feels like, once every year. But at a certain point, you want that to stop so that he doesn't just play in his, in his prime, in his peak, for only 10 years. That you're, right. not, you're not sitting here when he's 33, 34 going – I, I guess that's it. Maybe we've got to start thinking about moving on. You want him to get more, I guess, more like towards Rodgers because I feel like Brady's an anomaly where he's in his late 30s and he's still going, still playing at a high level. Yeah, and that's right. And, you never, you know, a lot of times these guys and their their ages, you know, you look at it and say, well, how many guys really have done what Brady has done? And really not many, right? You get to Breeze even. Breeze kind of, mm-hmm. you can see it a little bit. Peyton Manning was a guy who definitely, like, he hit the wall and you could see it. Um, I, I wonder what Rodgers is going to be this year. Uh, after I, last fascinated year, fascinated by it. Well, you know, and I do think there is something to be said. He did have that broken thumb mm-hmm. last year, right? But he is at – he's 40 years old now. And yep. you wonder exactly, you know, how that's going to impact him. The offensive line isn't that great. So he could have a monster year again. The guy was the MVP two years in a row right before last year. And he was – he looked almost as good as he did in 2011 when right. he was near unstoppable. So we'll see exactly, you know, how that plays out. As far as today is concerned, um, we'll see if they put the pads on in full. You know, they, they, they go off again on again sometimes in a lot of these – practices they want to take a little off them tomorrow's practice is here at 9 45 no fans tomorrow it's the yes. only time they have a no fans practice which actually to be honest with you i was looking at the weather i'm like it's actually the one day where i kind of it's kind of lucky there's no fans i don't even know it's going to be pretty wet i think it's going to be raining Ooh. as of now uh tomorrow and i wonder like exactly what they'll do but we'll see tomorrow no fans uh, they will have a practice. So a lot of times we have those back-to-back. One day they'll do full pads, one day, full pads, one day they won't. Mm-hmm. We'll see what they do today, obviously, out there. And they did do some goal line work on Friday night. I wonder if we'll get that. Almost every practice you get red zone work anyway. It's an area of concentration for this team, uh, no doubt about it. So there's a lot of things you can gain if you're coming out here to you know training camp you want to watch. There's all different periods you can watch the team do. Um, as they go through, they probably have like 12, 13 different types of periods from stretching to position work to 11 on 11 to red zone and all that stuff. Beautiful. Should be a great day. We're going to take a quick timeout. Looking for your calls, 803-0550. We are expecting to hear from Bills head coach Sean McDermott in the 11 o'clock hour. And we're going to take a quick timeout here. You're listening to a special edition of Sports Talk Sunday. This is WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. I mean, I just feel like no moment right now is too big for him. He understands the the offense. He understands his role in the offense. He's not trying to do more than what he needs to. Sometimes rookies, when they come in here, they put a lot of that pressure upon themselves of, i got to make it, make sure everything's perfect. Go out there and just play hard and, and learn the system. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. And I think that's what he's doing really well right now. He's trusting guys like Dawson and, and Coach Rob in his room and, and leaning heavily on them. And communication that I've been having with him has been fantastic. So... Again, that's only going to continue to grow and get better. And as Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen talking about rookie tight end Dalton Kincaid. He has been a star here at training camp so far. Fans are starting to pile in. A lot of bucket hats. I'm a big bucket hat guy. I got a Bills bucket hat. I've seen a lot of that. Good look for everybody. I know McDermott and Allen were big on those as well during the preseason. The big, the big almost like saucer. I think it's a bit too much for me. I, li- I like the little bit lesser of a bucket hat, but we've got fans starting to pile in. Practice again starts at around 11.45. We will hopefully hear from Sean McDermott around the 11 o'clock hour, 11, 11.15 in that range. Hopefully we'll hear from our own Sal Capaccio as well later on in the morning. I do want to remind you, though, the coverage of Bill's training camp on WGR is presented by Admar Construction Equipment and Supplies, the equipment you need when you need it. By Fiegel Car and Joyce, your border attorneys, and by Feel Right Fresh Markets. It's where healthy living starts. I do want to jump in on some of the other teams as well, though, that are going on in training camp. I was reading a story, and it's it's not even just a single story. It seems like everyone that is covering the Baltimore Ravens training camp is talking about how difficult of a time that offense under Todd Monken now, first-year offense coordinator for the Ravens. He replaces Greg Roman, who was there for a number of years. How difficult of a time they are having acclimating and making it a smooth transition. A lot of turnovers. I think Lamar Jackson had four interceptions in the practice either yesterday or on Friday. And it's become a, it's kind of become a camp storyline there if, if you're following the Ravens. And for me, at least, why I kind of want to bring this up is is that was the Ravens were dangerous to me because of the addition of guys like Zay Flowers, Nodell Beckham Jr., and, and stuff like that. But really, it was the addition by subtraction. They got rid of Greg Roman as OC. The man could basically only create a run game. We've talked to Jeremy Kahn over in Baltimore, and he he said that a lot of the times we were getting to a point as fans or as Ravens fans were, that you just knew what was coming. There was there was really no deception there. There was no trickery. There was just not even really any flow. It was just, all right, we know what's coming. And they basically were able to succeed through sheer force of will, through athleticism, through great play. 
Now, we'll see where Lamar Jackson is at. I am a fan of his. I think he is a much better thrower than he gets credit for, but we will see if that's actually a thing this year. They now do have more receivers there. I was a big proponent of Zay Flowers, even potentially going to the Bills out of Boston College. But we'll we'll see where that goes. We will see how that works with the Ravens and how they're going to actually implement him into the offense. Again, as a rookie wide receiver, you can, you can of course, get the Justin Jeffersons, the Jamar Chases of the world, but oftentimes it's difficult for a rookie wide receiver to come in and get you know around 1,000 yards, 100 catches, stuff like that. I, I am fascinated, though, in the fact that it, it's been a tough go for the Ravens so far under this Todd Monken offense, comes over from the University of Georgia. We'll see how quickly they are able to implement it, especially when you have such a loaded division in the AFC North. The Bengals as well has, have, have become really a team that everyone is keeping an eye on. Namely, they've lost both their starting safeties. They've made additions. They're still a very good team. But I wouldn't say that I've, I, I, I feared them more going into the offseason than I do now. A part of that as well as I've just, you know, looking at the Bill season and everything that had gone wrong for them, I'm at a point now where I think, all right, you, you definitely the Bengals did not get the Bills' best efforts, the best chance, the best play through means well out of the Bills' hands and some, of course, in the Bills' hands, of course. And then you go to Pittsburgh. I'm not a Kenny Pickett fan, but Mike Tomlin just breathes nine-win seasons. It's just, it's He wakes up nine-win season. That's what he does. And then the Browns. The Browns, to me, are a fascinating team because you just do not know what what version of Deshaun Watson you're getting. In 2019, he was one of the best quarterbacks to only win four games, honestly. Almost threw for 5,000 yards, th- had 70 completion percentage, 30-something touchdowns, and only seven picks. I mean, he was exceptional on a truly bad team. If the Browns have that version of Watson, or at least a kind of version of that Watson, they will without a doubt, win at least 11 games. They will probably win that division. He will be the best, if second to best quarterback in that division, without a shadow of a doubt. And I like Lamar Jackson, but he would overtake him. It would be him and Burrow going back and forth. And I think the Browns roster, top to bottom, might be better than the Bengals roster, top to bottom. I think the Bengals do get away a lot with having a very, very good defensive play caller and one of the best connections in football at quarterback and wide receiver in Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. So Baltimore, and it's kind of the same thing with Cincinnati, because Cincinnati, wide receiver Jamar Chase talked about the fact he doesn't even want Burrow to come back until week five. He wants him 100% healthy, and I, and I understood that sentiment 1,000%, totally got that. But they start with two division games right off the bat, with Baltimore and with Cleveland. But it goes the same way with Baltimore. They can't have a slow start in the division. None of these teams can. They have, it's maybe the best division in football. The AFC East is maybe the best top-heavy in terms of that, but the New England Patriots, I, I would put the, the Steelers above the Patriots. I would there. But it is, it is so, so fascinating how the AFC North is kind of shaping up to be. Last year was the AFC West. There was, you know, kind of jokes, but it was somewhat serious of just give, just give every AFC West divisional game a primetime spot they should all be primetime games it's going to be a loaded division the Raiders were coming off a surprise playoff appearance they still had Derek Carr there was still some belief there of course Denver adds Russell Wilson the Chargers are the Chargers with Justin Herbert and then of course the Chiefs 
and it was a complete disaster. The Chiefs ran away with it. The Chargers made the playoffs but were quite disappointing. Denver was near unwatchable. And the Raiders, now going into this year, they've gotten rid of Derek Carr and might be the one of, if not the worst, team in football. Arizona kind of gives them a run for their money there. I do think one of the AFC East or the AFC North will be that this year. They will be disappointing. Obviously, as AFC East fans, we are all Bills fans. So we have more of a, micro, a magnifying glass on the AFC East, of course. We, we talked with Sal Capaccio in the past segment, and, yeah, Rodgers is 40 years old as a Jets quarterback. You don't know what you're getting there. But three years ago, or excuse me, two years ago, he won an MVP for the second year in a row. So there's clearly some ability there. He had a broken thumb last year that absolutely caused him some issues. And I think as well, you add in the fact that he has a weapon in Garrett Wilson, who I think is special. I think there is unbelievable talent in that wide receiver room with Garrett Wilson leading the way. And then you go over to Miami. We've talked about this, of the fact that their offensive line is not great. They've had a few injuries, namely to Jalen Ramsey, who won't be available until December. Their offensive line, still not great. It's still a rough unit, along with the Jets as well. I didn't even bring that up. But the Jets' offensive line is also a huge question mark. And with Tua, as good as he looked last year, and he looked exceptional at times last year, namely against Baltimore in that second-half comeback. He is one concussion away from being in a very similar situation to Sidney Crosby, where he gets a concussion, let's say, week two, week three, and we don't see him for a year. We don't see him for a few months. That's where he's at. That, to me, is a very precarious situation for the Dolphins to be in. And that's why I can understand why some of these national shows do want to pick against the Bills. It happened last year for the Chiefs. You had the surprise pick of, oh, I think Denver's going to do it. I think the Chargers are going to do it. No one really picked the Raiders, and that's the Patriots here. But you had that last year, and then the year started, and who was the team that won out? the one that had done it before, the one that actually didn't have nearly as many question marks as everyone else. I don't think the Bills had many question marks really at all. Right tackle's a question mark with where Spencer Brown's at. You want him to take that jump in year three that he was not able to in year two, mainly due to injuries. He barely participated in training camp last year due to a back injury. Middle linebacker is absolutely going to be a question mark. It already is. We're seeing guys like Terrell Bernard try to take over that role, but in a few photo, or in a few videos namely from our own Lucas Buckley, at the return of the red and blue, or turn of the blue and red. James Cook breaks off a big run, in part because the middle linebacker didn't fill a gap. Those are question marks, but they're not major ones. I think they'll be just fine at those certain positions because I think they've gotten better everywhere else. The Bills' D-line is one of the deepest it's been under Sean McDermott, if not the best it's been under Sean McDermott. And then you go to the offensive line, I think you've gotten deeper there. Connor McGovern comes in at left guard. He immediately joins the Bills, and he was part of the Dallas Cowboys who for the last five or six years have had some of the best offensive lines in the game. He comes over, joins the Bills. He's one of the only guys that signed a longer-than-one-year contract. It was him and Deontay Hardy. He signs a three-year deal. Hardy signs a two-year deal. He comes in. Then you draft, in my opinion, I think this is my favorite, and I love Kincaid, but my favorite draft pick from this year's draft was Osiris Torrance in the second round. He was someone I was okay and more than okay with. The Bills taking in round one, they get him in round two, and he looks like he's going to be your starting right guard. It's going to partially be due to his own play, absolutely. 
but a lot of it as well, and we've heard Sal say this is, as well, is that Ryan Bates, his versatility may hurt him. But Torrance has to get there on his own as well, and it looks like he is getting there. And if you have got young guys filling in these positions, they will get there, if not already there, by week one. There are far too many other questions for teams like Miami, for teams like New York. New England's barely a factor. I can get why some national talk shows and TV shows want to go the other way. They want to be contrarian. It's fine. It happened last year for the Chiefs. And then the Chiefs just went out and whooped, you know what, and took the division. I very much believe the Bills will do the same. I talked in the first segment of target share. I think Allen's going to be around 650 passing attempts this year. And with the deepest wide receiver room, or really receiving room, the Bills have had under Allen and McDermott, I think this is a team that can win 12 or 13 games. I've seen the bull predictions of the Bills missing the playoffs and stuff like that. I just don't see it at all. I do not see it at all. This team is too talented. They're too good. And honestly, they're boring in that sense. They're incredibly consistent. They make the playoffs. That's what they do now. It is funny to say as a Bills fan who was born and raised through the drought, but that's what they do. They win about 11 or more games, and they make the playoffs, and they win a playoff game or two. And now this year, going into this year, and, and this is why I'm excited for the preseason to begin, just to, just to see some kind of game action going on. They are loaded, and they're healthy, and they're probably a little pissed off. And that is a bad combination for everybody else they've got to play, especially teams that want to come in with a little swag that they didn't really earn yet, namely the Jets. Miami, I'll give it to you. You made the playoffs last year, and they have a real argument that they didn't get a fair shake either. They went in with Skylar Thompson in the playoff game. But the Jets have come in with a lot of swag they didn't earn yet. The Dolphins have it too, but the Dolphins are already dealing with big injuries. They are already dealing with it. And we'll see how either of those O-lines handle. We'll see how any of those hold up. But I'm not holding my breath for them. I'm not. The Bills, to me, have been a surefire thing the last few years, especially under McDermott and Bean and Allen. I think they'll be just fine. And from everything I'm reading at camp and seeing at camp, I have no reason to doubt that. We're going to take a quick timeout. Still looking for your calls, 803-0550. We're hoping to hear from Bills head coach Sean McDermott in the 11 o'clock hour, 11 to 11.15. We'll get that to you live here from St. John Fisher. We'll take a quick time out. You're listening to a special edition of Sports Talk Sunday right here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Oh, absolutely. That's valuable reps. I mean, our defense is super good, and it's it's good work to go against. It's iron sharpening iron out there. So uh, those reps are valuable, too, uh, especially when we're doing goal line and situational drills. Bills rookie tight end Dalton Kincaid from Friday night at the return of the blue and red practice at Highmark Stadium. Zach Jones hanging out with you for about another hour and 15 minutes. We're getting ready for Bills head coach Sean McDermott to speak with the media in early on in the 11 o'clock hour as Bills practice does begin at 11.45 today. We did hear from our own Sal Capaccio earlier on in the hour. 
there is a reason why the Bills are starting later. All their practices here at St. John Fisher have been starting around 9.45. Today is 11.45, and that is just to get everyone, uh, you know, time to get back here. Some of these guys are getting back Saturday. Some of these guys getting back today. It allows everyone to kind of, you know, take your time. Get back when you can, and we'll have practice a little bit later on Sunday. I, it makes sense to me. They do have practice tomorrow at 9.45. No fans for tomorrow. I think it's the only one on their schedule. We do, though, get ready for the Bills preseason opener and their only home game of the preseason when they take on the Indianapolis Colts on Saturday at 1 p.m. kickoff big fan of that there's nothing worse than a nighttime preseason game absolutely nothing worse than a nighttime preseason game we have those though starting this week with the first game being this Thursday we got two of them Texans and Patriots that's at 7 p.m. Vikings Seahawks that's at 10 p.m. that's again on Thursday got some Friday games as well Actually, a number of them, and then a number of Saturday games, and just two Sunday games. The Sunday games are the Chiefs and Saints at one, and the 49ers Raiders at four. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't. I, I used to watch a little bit more preseason, just because I'm a big college football fan. I'll, I'll watch some of the prospects that you know I was a big fan of, or I scouted, or I wanted the Bills to get, and a lot of the time the quarterbacks as well. But I won't have to do it this year. Anthony Richardson really is the only rookie quarterback I desperately want to watch and see how he looks in the preseason. And the Bills will be you know, facing him in his first start as a uh, Indianapolis Colt. He's not been named a starter yet. However, it looks all signs to be pointing that he will beat out Gardner Minshew for that job. There really hasn't even been a competition. There really is no competitions across the board in the NFL. I can't remember the last time that happened. I thought there was potential that San Francisco could have a quarterback competition. I'm a big fan of Trey Lance, but that seems that ship seems to have failed or uh, to sailed absolutely. And now at this point, it's Brock Purdy. Clearly, he's he's healed from his elbow injury. And surprisingly enough, Sam Darnold has kind of locked himself into that in that quarterback two role. Good for him. I. It got to a point, I didn't think it was going to be like a Josh Rosen situation, but it did look like you didn't know how much longer he could go in his career. So really good on him for kind of carving out his role with Kyle Shanahan, who I, I really thought Trey Lance would be able to really, I thought that was the best spot any rookie quarterback could go to is with Kyle Shanahan, and, and Trey Lance seemingly has, has not been able to take advantage due to injuries maybe a little bit, but also probably his play as well. We're going to take another quick timeout. Hoping here from Bills head coach Sean McDermott early in the 11 o'clock hour. You're listening to a special edition of Sports Talk Sunday. I'm Zach Jones, and you're listening to WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.